welcome to Real Estate Powerhouse, live on Tap Talks with your host, Talia Bashani, top real estate attorney and negotiation expert. This is your opportunity to get the inside scoop and hear straight from top real estate agents in the business. Broadcasting live from New York City, learn the secrets of their success and hear the most authentic, real, unfiltered stories about how they got to where they are today. From their wins to their failures to the biggest lessons of their careers and what keeps them rising to the top. And now, here is your host attorney, Talia Bashani. Hello, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the show, Real Estate Powerhouse, live on Tab Talks. Really great to have you in the studio today. And I would like for you to introduce yourself to all of our listeners and our viewers. Thank you for having me, Talia. I'm so excited about your podcast. I'm Sarah Golan. I'm a real estate broker in Brooklyn and New York City. I work with Sirhan, the company Sirhan, and I've been in real estate sales for over 10 years. But in total, my total journey in real estate has spans over 25 years. Wow. So it's been a long time. Yes. Wow. That's remarkable. Mm -hmm. And all in New York City this whole time for the 25 year period? Uh, Long Island, Queens, Brooklyn, and Manhattan. Fantastic. Yeah. Boroughs. Well, yeah. Tell us how you got started in the real estate business. Very early on, I was just 19 years old and I started working for a real estate investment firm in Queens, New York. And it's a mid-sized company that basically built their own inventory and had a sales team. So I was part of office management, construction management, and that was really the background. I, I worked two years there and then moved on to the mortgage industry where I was on the closing side of that business for about six years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you have the background of the banking business from the mortgage side mm -hmm. as well as the sales side. Yeah. So that I think that's why it was just a natural transition for me into real estate sales because for all the years, it's real estate has been in the background, building properties, renovating properties, buying and selling, owning my own. Um, and we've also owned our own real estate office. So being part of the ownership part of the business, the entrepreneurship part of the business. And then naturally, like just, hmm, like one day, just maybe I can, you know, do sales. And it's just something that kind of, it was more of um, a transition for me to try something new um, in that business. Phenomenal. And, and did you, when you started out in the business, did you start as a solo agent or did you uh, join a team? I was a solo agent in our company. Um, it wasn't, it was a very small boutique uh, firm in Bushwick. And we, I was one of five agents in that office. Uh, probably the, the only female agent in that office was my husband and, and his partners were the other brokers. And so for me, it was more like relying on their experience and and kind of listening to the conversation that they're having with buyers. And this we had that business for about five years before transitioning into the Sirhan team at Nest Seekers. This all happened in 2016. Oh, yeah. wow. Fantastic. OK. And when you guys joined Nest Seekers, did mm -hmm. you join um, all, like as a team or you stayed solo doing your own thing? 
No, we joined as a team and we were basically Ryan's Brooklyn team. He opened an office in Bed-Stuy and my husband and I, we were the managing brokers for that office, building out a team specifically for the Brooklyn market. Oh, that's fantastic. That's amazing. Um, So for the new agents out there that are considering, you know, getting into the real estate business, what would you say the pros and the cons are being that you've been on both sides um, as to being a solo agent versus joining a team? I would say being a solo agent, it's kind of hard to grow your business that way. Again, when the market is moving so quickly and you don't have the background to support a marketing team, an admin team, being part of a real estate team, you have the support of a broker, of a sales manager, of agents to show for you when you're away. Otherwise, you're just stuck with just a few listings and you're doing a lower volume of business and you're running around doing everything. It's basically a one man show. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I like I like the team environment very much. Good advice. Okay. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense because I think a lot of agents probably spread themselves too thin. Too thin. They don't have a team to really rely on and and that support is so important, um, especially with sales and being a busy agent such as yourself, which is, you know, great that you're getting a lot of clients and a lot of showings, that team environment definitely does help. Yes. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about who you focus on. Like, as far as your business, do you handle more buyers? Do you like working with buyers? Do you like having more exclusive listings and working with sellers? What's the balance of, of your business? When I first started out, I worked primarily with buyers. Um, so bulk of my business, I would say in the first five years of my career has been with buyers and a lot of them were also referrals. So they'll refer their family, their friends. Um, when we started at Nest Seekers with Ryan, the business transitioned more into representing sellers and developers. So I got to learn both ends of it. And I like working for me, uh, when sellers are building a property, I know how to advise them on what buyers are looking for, because I hear what exactly in, in each area, what they're saying, if someone is looking to customize a property, um, we can bring in a buyer early on and, and help sellers that way. Um, a lot of what we've sold has been for developers in Brooklyn. Okay, fantastic. So you are focusing on new construction, new developments on the sponsor side, the developer side, more so than working with individual buyers at this point. Correct. In the last two years, um, I've sold out more new development projects and townhouses um, than working with just buyers as I did before. Okay, fantastic. And how did you break into that side? So for agents that are looking to work with more developers or maybe win more clients for new construction, um, what advice would you give? How did you break into the new development world? I think that would be, it's because of experience. It's because of having a network of developers that we've worked with for a number of years. And they trust that experience and expertise in, in what they're building. And they come to us for advice early on. So I think it, it's kind of more repeat business. Once you've done a, a great job, you're selling for record-breaking numbers. There is a relationship that develops over the years. So when sellers are coming, it's they're coming because of the brand. They're coming because of the marketing they get with that brand. And more specifically, they're 
looking to work with brokers that are responsive, that are honest, hardworking, that shows up um, and really, truly put energy into selling out a project. Excellent. Yes, I love that. And when you when you launch a new development, can you tell us a little bit about what goes into that, into that process of, of launching a new development, what you do as far as the marketing, the advertising, um, getting buyer leads, things of that nature? Well, early on, from the time we were able to start advertising, I, I would say even if a project is not completed, you could sell it with renderings. It's also doing a case study of the neighborhood to know what buyers are more attractive to that, attracted to that neighborhood, um, and also running ads, doing a nice campaign. Uh, a launch party always helps, inviting brokers to, to an early preview. There are lots of ways that we go about marketing a project. Okay. And with the, um, I understand you have model units and do you do any like pre-sale showings? Yeah, we have, we have model units that are built out and staged. So when buyers are coming in, they're seeing a finished product. And oftentimes we, we've sold units that are basically a complete package where they are just moving in, they're buying the furniture. And it's, it's, it's kind of like a win-win because again, having staging furniture there that the buyer wants, it makes it more attractive and we just package it all into the deal. Okay. Oh, that's, that's a sweet yeah. deal. It's fantastic. Yeah. Cause then it's just really turnkey and it's they're turnkey. ready to move in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. And the stager I'm sure loves that too, because now they just, you know, sold their staging furniture. Yeah. Well, the stagers and the closet designers, they're all referral partners and you know, they, they are there for the clients and help them to customize their space. Okay. Fantastic. Um, what would you recommend for agents looking into uh, that want to break into the luxury market? Um, I know it really takes a certain finesse and certain skill set to mm -hmm. work with the high end um, clients and really breaking into that luxury market. Um, what advice would you give and what do you think sets you apart um, to really succeed in that market? I think to break into the luxury market, you have to have the skill set of that you are a professional agent. You have to have market experience. You have to have track record. Um, you also have to have a network of people in not in every industry, because again, if you have friends that are in finance or you have colleagues who are working, um, in other industries, whether it's fashion, whether it's luxury hotels, and they have clients that are looking, they're, they're going to want to think of a company and an agent who has that experience, who works in a company that has that track record. Yes, no, super important. Yeah. And how do you balance, you know, your, like, give us your day to day, because I know you have a family and you're married and you know, you have so much going on. How do you really balance your time, uh, your personal life, you know, with business? Because as we know, real estate never stops in New York City. It could be a 24-7, you know, type of business that can run you ragged. So how yeah. do you find, you know, that balance in life? Uh, for me, there is no balance. It's my work and my life. It's all intertwined. I have two teenagers, my son started senior year in high school. My daughter just started college. Um, I'm less hands-on with them. It's more negotiating and more mental, if I would say, okay. balancing everyone's schedules. But 
my kids are great. Um, I think our life has been kind of business and travel and family all wrapped into one thing. Uh, but to keep a schedule, I would say get up early in the morning, have my routine routines already done before I start with my kids and, and work. So having like preparing the night before helps a lot. And I've always been the one that if I get up early, I'm dressing completely for the day that takes me into evening. And while running around with my kids when they were younger, picking up from school, having dinners and, um, you know, just meeting up with colleagues. So everything is wrapped into one, but it's on a calendar. I keep a calendar. Everything is on there, whether it's with the kids, family, work clients, everything is on that calendar. Okay. So it sounds like you're really good at time management and time blocking. And I think you have to be, you okay. have to be. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, good. Now that's probably what keeps you, you know, on course. Otherwise it's easy to drown. Yeah. <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, what do you love most about being an agent and what are your biggest challenges? Uh, biggest challenges, I would say trying to fit too much into the schedule. Um, for me also that I, I would say that would be my, my first and foremost challenge. I'm not, I'm not scared to do the work. I'm not scared to show up for work. Okay. Um, keeping a team together that can be challenging at times because again, every agent has a different personality. You want to make sure everyone is on common ground. Everyone is doing what their part is and having and keeping motivation for the team. That's super important. Yeah. And what do you love most about your job? Oh my goodness. There's never a dull moment. <laughs> it, there's always excitement. Um, and this it's, you never wake up and doing the same thing. I mean, real estate, it's the same transacting is the same, but I, for me, I think the most exciting part, it's the connections I make and the people that I meet from every background, I can say. And a lot of them have become friends. Okay, amazing. Yeah, so I, I feel like when you build your clientele, you also build your network. As you said, it's really about nurturing those relationships. And look, that's how you get repeat referrals and repeat business. They keep coming back to you. Um, and I think when you build that type of rapport, it really, like you said, it lasts for a lifetime. It's not just a business transaction. Um, and that's really important, especially when you're in this, it's a people business, you know, not just selling real estate. Right. Um, and Sarah, as we know, you know, technology has really been a game changer for a lot of agents in this business. Um, tell us some ways that you, that, you know, technology and maybe digital media has really helped you build your business. I would say for technology, I don't spend, I will say this, I don't spend on marketing and social media. Everything that you see that I put out there, it's kind of what I do on a daily basis. But it's amazing that to find connection on social media, on these platforms, I've sold properties by just posting on LinkedIn. I've sold investment properties that way. Um, on Instagram, I have clients that have reached out or agents who reach out from other states because they see what we're doing. Uh, on a daily basis. And if they have a client in New York that's looking or someone who's from out of state relocating, they're reaching out to us on Instagram, on these platforms. Wow. So you think, so 
so a lot of your leads, instead of you going out looking for them, mm-hmm. they're pretty much finding they're- you because of your online presence. Exactly. Yes. And so your marketing budget, you're, you're not even really utilizing your marketing budget. It's all organic. Most of my leads are organic and they come online and, or if it's something that we're, if there's a listing that we're advertising on street easy or in virtual or any other platform, that's a great way to also generate leads. But a lot of it is referrals or from these platforms. Okay. Amazing. Excellent. Um, now let's talk a little bit about, you know, um, your passions, you know, we know what makes you a phenomenal real estate agent and the great experience. Do you have any other passions outside of the business that really keeps you going or, or a certain routine that, you know, some people are like, I get up at 6am, I do yoga, I meditate, you know, I stick to this routine, it really keeps me on my hustle. Tell us a little bit about your passions or side projects or routines that keep you going. Uh, I invest in other businesses. That's a passion. I like to cook. I like to dance and travel. Uh, but morning routines are super important. Coffee is very important. (laughs) That's, that's my main thing. But I would say for me, waking up in the morning, praying, meditating, setting my intentions for the day, that helps me a lot because again, it clears all the clutter in my mind. And I, I want to start each day fresh and clean and not having to deal with what happened yesterday. So if you bring in, like, let's say the challenges or issues from yesterday into today, it kind of like clogs your memory and and then it gives you like the brain fog the next day. So I like to clear everything out, kind of like a filing system, and then just start my day new onto like new business. So, yeah, so it's so true. You know, I, I feel like, and I love what you said about you know, you leave in the past what happened in the past every day is kind of like a, a restart. Um, yes. And, you know, clean slate so that you don't hang on to that baggage, um, even if it was a bad day or you dealt with a crazy client or whatever it is, you just start over fresh and you don't take that negative energy with you into yeah. the next day. Um, and, you know, a lot of it we have to remember that when clients are frustrated, it's not towards us personally. And you have to kind of check your ego with that because really the job is to be there with a clear head for your clients and listen. And sometimes they're having a bad day. So you really can't take anything personal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's only business. It's, it's never personal. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, Sarah, tell us a little bit about where you see yourself, you know, maybe in the next five or 10 years, what is the future look like for you uh, from a business perspective, from a real estate perspective, um, if you could share that with us. I would say I want to move into developing my own projects and buying and renovating and reselling my own um, projects. That's been a dream. And also, I would say continue to grow my team. And I mean, I'm 10 years into sales. And when a new agent comes on, I want to teach them. I want to really nurture and mentor so that I, I see that more in the future for me. Um, I'm never, I don't think I'm ever going to take myself completely out of transacting, but I would say more teaching, growing, building um, my own um, projects. Fantastic. And so are you doing investments now already? Are you, 
already investing in properties and, and like fix and flips or, or fix, and fl fix and flips we've okay. done for a very, we, that's been a, a huge part of our business in the past. Okay. Um, we also have properties that we've held on to for rental income. So I want to also look for more of those deals where it can be a long-term hold for rental properties mm -hmm. and continue to build out that portfolio. Okay. So adding, adding more, if, if we can add two to three buildings a year, again, like that's something leaving for my kids in the future for, for passive income for them so that they can start their lives as they go. I love it. Fantastic. Yeah, that generational wealth and really, mm -hmm. you know, paving the path for your family and generations to come um, is so important, especially with your expertise. You can really, you know, keep that tradition um going, you know, for, for long term. Yeah. Well, we are going to take a quick break for a commercial break, and then we're going to come back with part two of the show with Sarah Golan from the Surhant team. We'll be right back, you guys. Whether you are a new buyer or a seasoned investor in the real estate market, you need top legal representation and expertise to ensure your transactions close smoothly and successfully. As someone whose priorities are communication, attention to detail, efficiency, and creative negotiation, TAB Law Firm provides hands-on, personalized service that focuses on clients' needs and peace of mind. After working with big corporate law firms, I realized their focus was on volume rather than nurturing and protecting their clients. I then decided to start my own firm 15 years ago to provide exceptional, personalized service that protects and informs my clients every step of the way. Most of my clients are looking for guidance, transparency, and clear communication throughout their real estate transaction. Making myself available to my clients is one of my top priorities, and my expertise allows me to foresee issues before they happen and avoid potential downfalls. This proactive approach safeguards my clients from incurring any additional expenses, delays, or stress. During the selling or buying process, efficiency is key. I keep all parties informed and organized, ensuring we close smoothly. I fancy myself as a deal maker, not a deal breaker. If you are looking to buy or sell real estate, or if you are a real estate broker looking for an attorney who's going to be communicative, efficient, and responsive to you and your clients, then contact me at tolly360.com. And let's start working together. Close with tab and feel fab. Welcome back, everyone, to part two of the show, Real Estate Powerhouse. Today, we have Sarah Golan with the Sirhan team with us. Sarah, thank you so much again for being a part of the show. And I would like to get started with talking about some of your biggest wins. You know, in this business, there have been ups and downs. Uh, we have seen the market, you know, especially you, I'm sure, over the last 25 years, me, it's been 15 years, uh, but we've definitely see, seen highs and lows in this market. I want to hear from you some of the you know, biggest wins that um, really, truly made you feel like, okay, I am so happy. I worked so hard. I've accomplished you know, this goal or I nailed this building, something that really is a benchmark for you. Benchmark for me would be the Taj building on the Upper East Side, 176 East 82nd Street. That project basically came together in a matter of one week. 
I met the developer and I came to Ryan and I said, hey, we're pitching a building. We have two days to put together a team and we have to launch this building like in literally a week or two week tops. And we did it. And this was at the very end of 2019. And guess what? COVID happened. Oh. And here we have nine units floored through huge condos uh, on the Upper East Side. And everything is shutting down. Oh. And the biggest, I, I still recall, like, we're, we're still showing this building virtually, like, on FaceTime with buyers. And we sold that building out during COVID. Um, and that was a $40 million sellout. It was the biggest project that I worked on. And I'm a Brooklyn agent. And to sell on the Upper East Side, that was something, that was an accomplishment with the team, best team ever that we had on that project. So I'm super proud of that one. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. Congratulations. And during COVID, no less. I mean, mm -hmm. that is, that's, that's like a big challenge when nobody can step foot into the yeah. actual unit and you're doing these virtual tours yeah first walkthroughs appraisals like that was who knew but yeah. we got it done yeah all right fantastic congrats and how many units were in that building that you had to sell out not that nine units nine units 40 yeah. million amazing yeah. congrats mm -hmm. on that thank you so what do you utilize you know uh in today's day to really increase your sales going after developers, what do you think is, you know, the the tricks to the trade, so to speak, um, for a lot of people who maybe are going after developers and not quite winning the deal or winning the listing? What do you, what would you recommend? What do you think, you know, how did that meeting go for you to pull it off as well as you did and actually seal the deal? Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your tactics. I don't overpromise. Okay. I'm very realistic with numbers. Okay. And I don't go in to pitch just to say what they want to hear to get the listing. Okay. I'd rather not take on something that's overpriced. Let the other brokers who try, and I always say to them, I'm very upfront very blunt and i'll say to them you know give give the give another broker a shot doesn't if, if they sell it you know god bless them if not let's have a real conversation i think when uh you're pitching developers as well um your track record is online like everything that you do it's there they've already googled and they've looked up your profile what are you going to do differently for them and a lot of the times Taking yourself, stop talking about yourself in that conversation, stick to what the project is about and connect with the person in front of you. So you want to listen to every information. If they're going to talk about this project for an entire hour, let them speak about it. This is their baby. This is their passion. This is what they're bringing to the table. And I would say when, when pitching also show the value of team, and that you're not just an agent just within a company, show what your marketing team looks like, what your advertising, like what the marketing strategies are, like really show your um, expertise in that neighborhood and for why you're the right fit for the project. Fantastic. No, great advice. Wonderful advice. Um, and when you're dealing with, let's say, buyer's agents, so let's say you have a new development, you have an exclusive listing, and mm -hmm. 
for dealing with buyer's agents who are coming in, you know, maybe lowballing or, you know, asking for everything under the sun, you know, all these concessions. Um, what are the creative negotiation tools um, that you really implement into your business? Because you have all these units to sell, right? Mm-hmm. So how to how do you um, negotiate with buyers agents to really come to a happy medium but still get the sale done i i often tell them listen you don't want to screw up the comps for the building if you're coming in come in if you want everything on your list come in closer to asking and then we can talk build in just build in what the concessions are so if there's an outdoor cabana if there's a parking spot um, if there's like a bigger unit that they want, but just don't come in with a low ball offer and then expect the world. If you're asking for transfer taxes, sometimes, you know, last year we were splitting transfer. This year we're covering transfer taxes. We're covering common charges. We're trying to bridge that gap because interest rates went up. We're still trying to keep payments at, let's say, what the, what rates were six months ago for these buyers because eventually like yes they're getting a great deal two years from now once rates adjust for inflation they're going to refinance yeah so you just want to kind of educate um buyers brokers so they're having those conversations with the buyers and just keeping everyone happy you know there's a happy medium when you're negotiating you don't want to exhaust the buyer or the sponsor yeah. Right, exactly. So it's it's a matter of keeping both sides happy mm-hmm. and making sure that it's reasonable, right? That the requests and the demands are all reasonable right. um, so that it's not outlandish. And, you know, um, because at the end of the day, everybody wants to make a deal happen. Yeah. Everyone wants to win. Yes, everybody <laughs> wants to win. Very true. Yeah. And have you been a part of these bidding wars? You know, I know, you know, recently I've been dealing with clients that and probably the sweet spot or at least more so of the contracts that I've been getting is probably somewhere in the one to four million dollar range. I feel like that's really where the inventory is, you know. Yeah, that's where it's moving. That, that, That part of the market, I would say between a million to the 3 million range inventories moving. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, I had three clients this week that were, you know, that called me and said, look, you know, I'm putting in final and best. Hopefully I'll win. The deal sheet will go out tomorrow. Just want to make sure you're on board and we're ready to move forward. And I said, yeah, good luck. Keep me posted. I'll look out for the deal sheet. We'll get started. And then all three clients got outbid, all three of them. Oh, no. Yes. And it was just, you know, it's it's mortifying because here, you know, these these buyers are really trying to go after inventory that's so low. There's multiple buyers that are, you know, going after the same inventory. And, you know, these bidding wars are just starting to, you know, explode. How do you handle, have you been on that side for, for a buyer? Um, and have. how do you handle those, those bidding wars for your clients? Okay. So what I do as a broker, first of all, I want to know who's on the, who's on the sell side. And if there's a relationship with our companies and, you know, if we've done any past transaction, it's not to have favoritism for a deal. It's mainly having that conversation with the broker to get proper guidance. When you're presenting your best and final, you want to gauge that right spot where you're in line with comps. You know you're going to be paying a little above what the comps are, and you want to also 
still have your buyers feel like they got a good deal and they beat out everyone. I've actually had that happen recently. And there were five other offers um, and we won the bid. We won the bid. And it's also because we moved very quickly in a, in a sense, like if you're going to best and final, have your attorney lined up, have your lender, everything ready to go. Um, it doesn't matter like if you are not putting the highest down payment or you're not all cash. Again, it's like how qualified the, the buyer is, how experienced the brokers are and how they can make that happen. Because again, like sometimes seller, and I've been part of the sell side when we have to choose best and final. And sometimes it's not the highest number that wins the deal. It's, they look at the entire uh, picture of maybe a buyer might come in at a higher price point, but they want to close six months from now. That yeah. may not be ideal for for the seller. So it's it's just like this little dance that you do for the deal between yourself and the seller's agent. But yeah. keeping everyone informed and being just do your research, show the comps on both sides and, and then come to a reasonable number. Yeah. Super and smart. move fast. Just move fast. Like really. Okay. Speed. Yeah. Speed is everything. Yes. Yeah. Speed is everything. And I like what you said that, you know, you you research everything in advance mm -hmm. so that you can go in, you know, with the strongest package, you know, where Correct. it's almost like they can't deny you and you don't necessarily have to be the highest to be the best, you know, mm -hmm. if you're a strong candidate and, you know, your your package is seamless and especially the way that you present it. Also, waiving contingencies helps. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, make sure your buyers know the risk if they're waiving, right. let's say, an appraisal contingency or yeah. a mortgage contingency. Let them be aware of all the risk involved. Yes, definitely. I've had clients that have come in above ask and mm -hmm. then they're saying, well, what if the property doesn't appraise? And I say, well, look, you're already coming in. If you're going to come in 50 grand above ask or 40 grand above ask to win the deal, then you're pretty much assuming, you know, that additional premium because that's why the seller's taking your offer, you know, or one of the factors. So you're going to have to waive the appraisal contingency um, and, just, you know, trust the comps and know the market because you're paying that additional premium. So you can't come back and renegotiate and say, oh, sorry, the appraisal right. well, forget the premium that I offered you to pay. Yeah. So, but, um, but the biggest, but the biggest win is actually when it appraises yes. for the purchase price. And you're like, whew, we did yes. it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's exactly. such a relief. It's such it a relief when it that is. happens. And yeah. then everybody's happy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I love it. No, that's in today's market, you know, those um, those challenges definitely present themselves and especially, you know, in that sweet spot, like we discussed until more inventory really, you know, um, comes to market. So the million dollar question, which I'm sure a lot of people ask you is, you know, where do you see the market going where, you know, New York is definitely a unique read. You know, it's different than Miami. It's different than, you know, other parts of the country. But what do you think, you know, um, what direction do you think the market is is going in? And what can we expect, you know, um, as far as that shift that everybody is pretty much waiting for? I think if you have to buy, you're going to buy, you're just going to have to suck it up that these are the prices, these are the rates, 
and you just have to look forward to, you know, down the line, you're going to refinance. I see buyers, first time buyers, it's hurting them a lot because again, they saved up a certain amount of money and now all of a sudden they can't really qualify or the payment is too high. Um, a lot of buyers are trying to lock rates early on and then the rates change and then they're in a different situation. Uh, but I do see that um, inventory still remains low and that sellers are still in a really good position and buyers are just moving forward. I don't see much changing in the sense that prices are going to start dropping drastically. I don't, we don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, a lot of the sellers that I talk to, they, you know, they pretty much say, well, look, why would I sell now? Because anything mm -hmm. that I buy, I'm going to have to downsize. And yeah. these interest rates pay the exact same price that I'm paying for my larger space that I'm living in. So they're truly Correct. motivated to sell unless they have to relocate for a reason or, you know, or something's happening in their life where, you know, they, they must sell. Um, so we're kind of at an impasse, but I agree with you, you know, if it's, you know, until more inventory comes to the market, you know, um, the market is pretty much, I mean, the activity, I don't know if you've seen a slowdown. I haven't re really seen a slowdown. The activity is still there. There's still a lot of buyers. Um, it's just not a lot to buy. <laughs> yeah. I saw, I, I think in August, we saw kind of like the end of August and, and that's always in the summertime. Buyers are, are out of the country. They're traveling, they're enjoying their vacations. Um, with, with sellers to, to your point, if a seller doesn't have to move and they can't find something that either they're downgrading or upgrading, might as well stay in the property, right. um, improve it, you know, do some minor renovations to just improve the value so then when they want to sell next year, they're in a better position. And yeah. for developers, it's like, okay, they spent so much money on a project yeah. and to not have the return, like, why not just maybe hold on to a few units, rent them out, and then sell them next year? Yeah, exactly. Smart. I've been um, also a big advocate of lease with the option to buy. Yeah. Um, because I think that way developers can at least cover their overhead and their carrying costs, you know, with the rental income. And if the tenant is not ready now uh, to buy, maybe in six months or a year, they pay for that option. Um, and then they can exercise their option. And there's a little bit of incentive on the back end. Like, hey, if you close on this unit, you know, I'll give you, you know, a closing cost credit or I'll contribute 3% or whatever it may be uh, to get them to buy. But that way, at least, you know, developers aren't sitting with vacant properties and just bleeding. Um, yeah. So I really, I, I do like structuring deals like that because I think it's a win-win for both sides. I agree. That's a real concern to, to have properties. Your developers are carrying like really high um, payments every month. And yeah. to not have that, you know, not have any income on that. That's a great, great option for buyers. I also, uh, so I also feel that when you're living in a space, it's already your home. Yeah. Why would you want to move? You've done so much to it already. Like, so true. Just, stay, just buy the apartment, live there. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's that emotional attachment. Yeah. You know, they're already attached. Moving sucks. Nobody wants to have to pack and, and no. unpack and relocate. And then that, that personal emotional attachment really is a, a huge motivating factor for them and, and wanting to exercise their option to buy. And then they become a homeowner. And then, you know, they're putting 
equity back into their own investment as opposed to exactly. you know the developer or the seller. Yeah. Um, so Sarah, I know your territory originally was mainly Brooklyn. Are you still focused on the Brooklyn market or are you also doing uh, Manhattan and where, what, what type of balance do you have there with the territories? I'm still focused on Brooklyn. I'm still in North Brooklyn and in okay. Bed-Stuy and Bushwick and all those neighborhoods. Okay. I'm still there. Yes. All right. Fantastic. And you live there too, right? So it's like, that's, I live in the five towns. I'm in Long oh, Island. Like, yes. Okay. Okay. So a little small commute for you, but it sounds like it's, you know, at like the back of your hand because you've been covering Brooklyn for so long. So for a long time. you're a true asset to a lot of buyers and a lot of sellers because you really know the territory, you know, the neighborhoods, you know, probably, you know, the, uh, the restaurants and the school district and everything. So you're a huge um, asset and resource uh, to a lot of clients looking in Brooklyn. So that's fantastic. Um, so I want to ask you a question relative to if you were to write your own autobiography, um, a story about your life, what would be the title of your book? Oh, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, it would probably be, uh, so much to do, so little time. Okay. I yeah. love it. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you can teach people time management that you, you know, um, there you go. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Excellent. Well, Sarah, it was so great having you um, on the show today. Thank you for all of the amazing feedback and advice. Um, if any of our listeners or viewers wanted to reach out to you or contact you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? It's Sarah Golan BK on Instagram. And if you need to email me, it's sarah.golan at sirhan.com. And that's Sarah without an H, by the way, S-A-R-A dot G-O-L-A-N at sirhan.com. Fantastic. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And um, I hope to see you soon. Excellent. Thank you very much, Talia. My okay. pleasure. And stay, stay, on, stay on for the outro. Um, so don't go anywhere. You've been tuning into Real Estate Powerhouse live on Tap Talks with your host attorney, Talia Bashani. For more information, please visit Tali360.com. You can watch this show streaming live on StreamYard and available across all social media outlets, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook Live, and more. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you for your positive feedback, comments, and questions, and please share this show with your network.